You guys doing okay? Yep. All right, guys. Um, again, uh, we've been going through the book of Mark. If you, uh, we did a, a short little break, and we came back after Easter started in Mark chapter 2. Finished up Mark chapter 2. We've been looking at Jesus and what he's been doing. We talked about the Sabbath and what he's been talking about, teaching us through the Sabbath. And we learned that we have to stay focused on the Sabbath. And we learned a couple of problems that we have with the Sabbath. And so that was at the beginning of Mark chapter 3 and what Jesus was teaching us through the Sabbath and through the healing of the man with the withered hand and through the picking of the grains on the Sabbath. Jesus taught us a lot about what it means to actually have Sabbath, we learned that we have great flaws in our, our personal lives when it comes to the Sabbath and how we just cannot take a Sabbath. It's just so hard for us to do. I knew, me especially right now, I have, should be resting today, you know, and I just got off of work at nights and then I'm back, fixing to go back to work at nights again tonight. I'm running on about three hours of sleep and I am probably the biggest sinner when it comes to Sabbath and not taking it right. So, I mean, there we go. We all struggle with the Sabbath. And so all of that is leading up here to Mark chapter 3, verse 7. And if you guys are ready to go, y'all say, we're ready to go. Say, we're ready. We're ready. All right. Awesome voices singing back to me. Okay, here we go. Mark 3, verse 7. It says, And Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea, from Jerusalem and Umea, and beyond the Jordan, and from around Tyre and Sidon. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea, from Jerusalem, from Umea, and from beyond the Jordan, and from around the Tyre and Sidon. And when the crowd heard what he was doing, they came to him. Now we got to stop right there. They came to him. The Bible says that from all over the countryside, from Judea, from Galilee, from Jerusalem to Emea, from beyond the Jordan to from Tyre, from all over the place, that the people came to Jesus. So let's kind of break this down. Let's break this down. Back in those days, it may surprise you, but there wasn't any type of social media. Okay, you kids know what Facebook is. You kids know what Twitter is and Pinterest and and stuff that women like to do all the time. You know, all those cool lessons and all that, those are the things that we, they didn't have back then. And so basically what we have nowadays is if you want to tell someone, say, for instance, what you ate for lunch, you put it on Facebook and everyone knows that. If you want to tell someone that, hey, I'm doing this this afternoon, or hey, I'm so excited about this, you put it on Facebook. We say, hey, I'm graduating. We had graduations this week from A&M and Del Mar. If we say, hey, I'm graduating this week, hey, you put it on Facebook and you throw it out there, man. The world knows about it. If you want to tweet someone, you know, most, most celebrities have Twitter, and so you're following like, hey, man, Will Smith is eating a sandwich right now. Oh, wow. Hey, so-and-so is doing this, and hey, and this person's doing that, and this, Toby Mac's doing this, you know? And so all of these things that people can get the information out there. But back in the day, they didn't have Twitter. They had no blogs. They had no Pinterest. They had no Facebook. Get, guys, get this. They had no YouTube. <gasps> How are they ever going to watch the Disney Princess t- movies? What are they going to do? How are we going to know about that? Yeah. How are we going to watch honest trailers? How are we going to do stuff like that? Yeah. How are we going to do that? So people would talk about these things in life. They would talk about what's going on. They would talk about things like this. People would talk about uh, 
planning out Jewish holidays. They're like, hey, the Passover's coming up. What are we going to do? Who's bringing what? It's a potluck type thing. That's why, because we're Baptists, and that's what we do. You know, who's going to bring what? How are we going to get that done? Uh, they were talking about discussing farming tips. Like, hey, man, when you plant your seed in this month, be careful, because then there's usually a hot heat wave that comes right at the end of this month, and you don't want to burn your crop, you know? Uh, they would talk about other things like theology. They'd be like, hey, man, do you remember, you know, when Noah built the ark and everyone thought he was crazy and a lunatic for doing it? They would talk about that. They would talk about the, the, what they call the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. They would talk about all these things. They would talk about um, arranged marriages. They were like, hey, man, I need a goat. So I would give you like 50 of my, would you give me 50 of your goats if you let me have your daughter in marriage? And that's what they would do. They would do stuff like that. Um, they would talk about the Roman rule. They're like, oh, we feel so, this word that we call oppressed. We feel so oppressed by, by these, these bad guys, these Romans that are within our country. And they're making us do all these things and pay taxes. And, and, and they're, they're, they're hurting us and doing all these crazy things, okay? And up until this point, um, you know, they've been talking about other things. So they were talking about, like, how to, you know, they've been talking about how to um, make legends. And they've been talking about people. So they've been talking about, hey, man, you know, did you ever hear about that guy named Samson? Did you hear about that guy named Samson? Yeah, Samson was this, this great guy, man. Samson was super strong. He had long hair, man. And it was just, this, he fell in love with this woman. He was, he was so into to what Jesus wanted him to do, and he fell in love with a woman. That was just like his weakness. He loved, he loved women, and so he fell in love with her, and then she, she tricked him, and she cut his hair off. Now he wasn't strong. And then when he had the time when he went to the temple, remember he was in the temple, and he was tied up to the pillars, and they, were, they had blinded him. They literally gouged his eyes out, right? And they were, they were about to kill him, right? And Samson, like, calls upon the name of the Lord, and he gets all his strength, and he pulls the pillars down, and everything falls down. It's like this craziness that was legend-making, they talked about legends and judges and the heroes of the Bible. They talked about David. They're like, oh, my God, I don't know how am I going to get past this struggle. They're like, you remember David when he was a little boy? He was like 12 or 13, man. He went down to the river, and he grabbed like five stones from the riverbed, and he went up to the giant Goliath, and he put him in a sink, and he you know, swung it around, and he hit the giant in the middle of the head and smacked him on the floor. And that's what we, what we hear in preschool. And the cool part, the cool part comes after Goliath is down. David runs up, grabs his sword, slices off his head, holds it up. It is awesome, right? Those are the things that people talked about. They talked about legends. And up until this point, Jesus has been walking around the country. He's walking all over the country. He leaves, us, he, he leaves the town of Nazareth on mission, on, on this, 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 this trip that he goes on spreading the gospel. And he's been healing people. He's been healing the blind, healing the sick. He's been teaching people. He's been telling people, you know, this and that and this and that, and this is how you should live. These are the Beatitudes and blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit. They will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Those are the things that he's teaching. He's loving people. He's coming up to people who most likely would never be seen in public before. He's telling the women in the well in Samaria, he's like, I love you and I know you've had many husbands, but that doesn't matter because God loves you, and I am the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. I am He. I am the Messiah. And He's loving on people. He's teaching them. He's healing them. He's loving them. He's feeding them. He goes up in the mountain, and like 5,000 people show up, and He's got like, man, you know, we can't feed all these people. They're hungry, bro. We can't just go down to McDonald's. You know, what are we going to do with all these people? They're, they're super hungry. And the disciples are telling them all these things, and Jesus is like, hey, man, chill out. Gather up all the food. You have five loaves and two fishes. Okay, okay. What am I going to do with five loaves and two fishes? We'll start separating it out, man. And he feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. 
He's been touching lives of people all around him and making an impact. And as a result of all this, word is spreading and people are getting excited. People are coming and they're getting excited. They're getting fed by two loaves, you know, and five loaves and two fishes, and they're getting fed. And they're like, dude, tripping out. This is awesome, man. And they go and they tell their friends, their family. And then the guy who got, got healed and he started, he couldn't walk and he jumped up and he started dancing away. He runs and he tells his family. And the people who are getting taught of how to love, like, hey, man, you never guess what this guy Jesus did. He did this crazy thing where he said that, that I should love my enemies. I don't understand that, but like, man, the dude is like wicked awesome, man. And they started telling people, and they started telling everyone around them, and people were actually becoming evangelists before they even knew they were actually becoming evangelists. They were simply telling people. They were just amazed by what Jesus had done in their lives. And they wanted to share the good news. That's the gospel. They wanted to share the, the good news about what Jesus was doing here in the country. Now, let me ask you this, kids and adults. When was the last time this happened in your life? When was the last time this happened in your life? Like, when was the last time you were just so blown away with what Jesus had done that you could not just, you know, be quiet about it? You could not just hold it back? When was the last time you said, oh, my God, I'm so excited. Listen, look at what God is doing in my life. Look at what Jesus has done for me. And you just share that with someone. For many of us, Jesus is simply a feeling, though. Jesus is simply a feeling that happened long ago in our lives. Maybe when we were kids, our parents forced us into some type of church culture. Maybe when we were at the lowest of our lows, you know, Jesus was a good thing to hang on to. And it came at a time when, when we needed him the most. And, and it was awesome when he was there. Okay? But now that, that life is kind of plateaued out and, and everything is settled out, you feel like there's nothing to brag about anymore. Like when you first came to, to know Jesus, you're like, he is so awesome. He is amazing. And then you know what? And he's doing all these great things in your life. And like you get the job you wanted. You get the, you get, the life is good. And then after a while, life just starts to settle out and it just gets boring. And you're like, where is Jesus? Where's Jesus? I don't hear him. I don't see him working in my life. You know, if Jesus really loved me, then why am I still stuck here? If Jesus really loved me, then why am I in this moment of my life? Why am I in this, this rut? And you think you have nothing to brag about, but you do. You have everything to brag about. See, the God of this universe sent his son to die for you and me, paying off an incredible debt that we owe. And he offers grace and mercy to us instead of a just wrath. Some of us have seen uh, medical uh, miracles and healing of illnesses. We've, we've seen him do that. He's seen him you know, grant miracles to us. We've seen him rebuild and restore marriages and broken relationships, restoring the dead. We see him, you know, we talk about Lazarus and being restored from the dead. Well, I always say God can restore anything from the dead. Whether that be your marriage, or that be your relationship with your kids, or that be anything in your life, God can restore that. Don't think because you think it's over on paper that it's over. God can restore it. He, he, he's the rebuilder and restorer of all things. He is alive and active in all areas of our life. Go tell someone about it. So um, my son Zachary right there. Hey, Zachary, say hi. Hi. 
Hi. Um, he's so cute and he's so adorable. He's like my little child. I call him my boo-boo. And um, he comes up to me on Friday. He's like, Dad, Dad, I got this awesome thing to show you. It's called my masterpiece, right? And I was like, okay, what is it, right? And he's got this little piece of paper. It's all like folded up and it's all like wadded up like this. And he's got this paper clip on there, right? You remember this, Mijo? And so it's all wadded up. And he goes, this is my masterpiece. I'm so happy about my masterpiece, right? And I said, okay, that's so awesome. And he shows it to me. I'm like, oh, that's cute. You know, I don't know what it is, but it's cute. And so, and then he goes, as I'm leaving for work, because I work night shift, as I'm going out to work, he runs up to me and goes, Dad, can you take this and show it to your friends at work? Because I'm so proud of it. And you know what I did? I went and showed it to my friends at work. I went in and told him, because you were so excited about it, because he was so happy about this picture, I went and showed it to my friends at work. You know what? I'm going to show it with you guys today, because this is awesome. I think it's beautiful what you did here. This is your masterpiece. This is, um, uh, this is like a, a, a dude, I think, like an action figure. Is it Star Wars? Is that what it is, guys? Yeah, you kids know what this is, right? This is a Star Wars action figure. But look, but look he, he colored this, and this is his masterpiece. And let me tell you something. You are God's masterpiece. And so if there's anything to brag about, it's you. You brag about yourself. You kids, you go tell people what God has done in your life. Tell them, that, look, God made me. And you say that it's so awesome. And, 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 and we need to have that same attitude as, as Zachary and, and just share the gospel with someone. Tell someone about what's going on. Zach wanted everyone to know about his masterpiece, and God wants everyone to know about his masterpiece and what he has done in life. And so that's what these people have been doing. They've been going and telling people from all over the country, people have been coming to Jesus from all over the country, from Judea to Galilee, from all over. Everyone's coming in. The second thing you need to know this, you need to know this if, if you're reading this text, the second thing is this. A follower of Christ must, not, must stop at nothing to be near Jesus. A follower of Christ must stop at nothing to be near to Jesus. Verse 9 says this, And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many so that all who had disease pressed around him to touch him. So people from all over came to be healed by Jesus. They heard about Jesus. They heard about what he was doing, and they wanted to be near Jesus. Not only did the people come, but they came with reckless abandon. You know what reckless abandon means? It means they came crazy, man. They were like doing whatever it took to get there. They were so crazy. They were so crazy that Jesus ordered his disciples to say, hey, guys, Dude, grab a boat. Guys, check this out. You see all those people? They're about to come. They just want to, like, touch me. They want to be healed. And they come over and they all touch me. I'm going to get crushed. So for my safety and for the sake of the ministry, I don't want to die now. Um, let's go ahead and put me in the boat and put me in the water. That way I can safely minister and talk to all these people. And these people were so crazy about seeing Jesus. They were willing to actually touch him. They were so crazy. They were willing to actually risk his life just to be near him. That's insane, right? That's crazy to think that you would love someone so much that you would do whatever it takes, even if it meant just slamming into the guy because that's how crazy you were about him. They were that crazy over Jesus. But we do it all the time, don't we, with other things in life. We do it all the time with things in our life. 
You might be like, that is so crazy, but you know what? You do the same thing. We've all done it. For instance, do you remember the iPhone 4? Kids are like, what is the iPhone 4? I thought there was only one iPhone. So the iPhone 4 was like this awesome phone that was made out of glass, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. But I remember when it first came out, we were in Round Rock, Texas at the outlets, and we were there shopping around. I'm being drugged around. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm willingly going with Sarah around. And we're going around, right? And we're going around, and there's this line. You remember that, that, that stupid, crazy long line? And there was a line that was like wrapped around the store up into the parking lot. And, like, there's just, like, all these, like, geeky-looking nerdy dudes sitting there, right? I'm like, what, what, what's going on, guys? What are we waiting for, right? Is there a band coming? Is the president coming? You know, like, who, who, who's coming? He's like, no, it's the iPhone 4, bro. It's coming out, the iPhone 4. It's the best thing that ever hit the world until the iPhone 4S. And then the iPhone 5 and the 5S, and by the way, the iPhone 6 is coming out this August. And so all these, you know, all these, it's insane to wait in line for a, a phone that's made out of glass. And we did the same thing here in Corpus Christi a few years back when we got Krispy Kreme. Y'all remember Krispy Kreme? I was on national news that we literally, and we were so, oh my God, this is almost embarrassing to say, we camped out in, front of the, in the parking lot for Krispy Kreme. We camped out for donuts, guys. Like, what the heck? You know, but we're that crazy. We're that crazy that we would camp out for the hot, fresh, glazed, sugary pastry that is to call the, the glory of God. If God sent manna from the sky, it would be a Krispy Kreme donut, hot and fresh. That is so crazy that we would do that. Uh, just like you know, waking up early on Black Friday and like, you know, literally like taking like, you know, a sword or something to beat people off with it because you want that deal on the TV that you never heard of what brand it is before. It's crazy for the way we do things. We do things so insane. We, we go out of our way. Take dating, for instance. I remember when I was a little boy in high school that I literally would take, um, go through extreme measures just to go see Sarah before I went to work. I remember I literally would take a bus to where she lived just to see her before I went to work because I wanted to just go see Sarah, right? And you're like, oh, that's so sweet. Well, it was a lot of walking from my house to the bus stop, and then it was usually in the summertime, which is in Corpus, about 103 degrees outside. I would wait in the bus stop, which, I, by the way, had no shade. And I would get picked up by the bus, make two bus transfers that would take over five miles to get to her house. And it took me over two and a half hours to get there. And then once I got to the bus stop that was nearest to her house, I had to walk all the way to her house and knock on the door just for her to say, hey. That was insane, right? Like, who would do that? I mean, but because you love someone, you do the stupidest things for people you love. Like, because you, you, you're so, like, in love with them. You want them. You want to be with them. You want to be around that person no matter what it takes. People who spend, like, thousands of dollars on stuff for, you know, their boyfriend or their girlfriend, and they don't understand that, you know, they've only been dating for a while. It's like, it's insane. Like, you wouldn't even, you would never do it for anyone else but because this person smiled at you, you want to do that because you are attracted to that person. You, you want to be with that person. You're willing to murder for that person. Maybe not, but some people are. And that's like, that's why you should watch who you date. And so all these people, you know, all these things that we do, okay, you know, these are the kind of things that we need to do. This is the kind of approach we need to have towards Jesus, that we are willing to do whatever it takes to be near Jesus. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes to be near Jesus. Because sometimes being near Jesus requires that. 
Sometimes being near Jesus requires us to do stuff that is so off the wall, so crazy, that it doesn't make sense to anyone except us. When I first started, when I first got the call to ministry, I never realized what kind of sacrifice it would take for me, and from Sarah, and from my kids, and what it meant for the whole family to be called to ministry. And let me just say this, if you feel called to some type of ministry, you better count the cost, because it's huge. Because you might be surprised of what he'll ask you to give up for him. When you come to follow Jesus, he might ask you to do things that are just crazy. He might ask you to give up your comfort. He might ask you to give up your dreams. He might ask you to give up your plans for a great life. You know, before I followed Jesus, I had these great plans. I would have succeeded in everything that I wanted by now, more than likely. I would have had a new truck every two years. I would have had a ranch by now. I was already buying land. We had a contract on land. It was all ready to go down. And then I got called by Jesus to do ministry. Um, a house. You might have to sacrifice your house. Right now, Sarah and I are looking at maybe possibly, eventually, if we need to sell the house to fully do this. To do this. To do this. That we're willing to give that up. We're willing to give up our cars and our trucks. And we know that, um, you know, we, there are payments, there are things that are on us. So why do we need them? But they're just pulling us away from Jesus. If whatever's pulling you away from Jesus, I say just take it away. Our jobs. Our jobs. I'm bivocational right now. And I understand that fully committing myself to Jesus might mean fully leaving my job. And that's hard. It's hard to say that you're going to give up a three-figure-a-year job to follow Jesus, but people do it all the time. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes to be near Jesus. However craziness it might sound like, we have to be willing to do it. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes to be closer to him, no matter what it takes. But why? I'll end with this. Why do we have to do whatever it takes to be near Jesus? Kids, do you know what it, what it means? Do you understand that? Why? And I'll give you the answer. Because Jesus is worth it all. Jesus is worth it all. Check out the last verse here, verse 11 and 12. It says, And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and they cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. See, Jesus' presence is so powerful that even that he commands the spirits of evil to fall at his feet. That's how powerful his presence is, that he is so awesome and powerful that when sin gets around him, sin bows down. That there is no, no, no turning from it. There is no, no, nothing else that can withstand it. When sin is around Jesus, it falls. And that is the presence that he commands, and he is worth it. He is worthy of that. See, all the sin of the people that came up to him literally fell down at Jesus' feet when they walked up to him. That's how strong he was. And let me ask you this. Is the sin in your life bowing before Jesus? Like the way it did here in Mark. Is the sin in your life bowing before Jesus and other just unworthiness to him. See, many of us will make excuses and try to justify why our sin is okay in the eyes of God. We say things like this. We're like, oh, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be extremely happy. I want to have everything in the world I need. And so it's okay if me and my significant other live together before marriage. I want to be happy. 
versus living a life that is honoring and pleasing to God his way. We might say, oh God, the stress I'm under um, uh, is so great, and so I'm going to lean on something other than you. I'm going to lean either on this relationship I have. I'm going to lean on this, this substance I have. I'm going to lean and put my trust in something else that's going to relieve me of my stress and struggles versus turning to him in everything that we have. I know, God, I, I know God, God knows that I can't make the bills this month, so, so it's okay if I don't give to him this month. He understands my struggles. He understands my heartaches. He understands that, that, that life is hard and I can't do this. And so he understands if I don't give to him what is actually owed to him. Versus just trusting him to provide in everything and have faith in him through obedient giving and offering because that is the calling that he gives on us. Not just to give to the church, but to give to everyone that we have a life of pure uh, is offering out of our lives. He says, if we do this, if we do this for the poor, if we do this for, for the church, if we do this, if we sacrifice, then I will provide all your needs. And you will never know that until you actually just dive into that. We make excuses for the, the sins that hold us back from God. All of these things will never fall before Jesus if we keep picking them up. You might say that, I'm going to let go, I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to do this this time. I'm gonna, I swear I'm going to do better, God. And then you, you, you offer that to God, and that's awesome, that's great. We encourage that, you know. And then you say, like, okay, God, I'm going to set it right here at the cross. I'm going to set it, and you walk away. Oh, no, I kind of need that again, you know. Like, and you just pick it up again. And that sin is trying to bow down to the presence of God. You're trying to give it up, but, but you don't let that sin bow down. You keep picking it back up. You keep wanting. You keep disobeying what you know is right. It's a matter of just pure obedience. So today, let's let go of your sinful nature and start over. Let's allow the gospel of Jesus that was spoken to us to be spoken and lived out by us, be lived out by us. Let's allow that, was, that, that in which was told to us be told by us and lived by us. So that others may hear and be surrendering to God with reckless abandon to the call of Jesus Christ in their lives and whatever it takes to be near him. And when that happens and when they, they hear the word of the gospel, they hear the word of God and they decide to surrender to God, may that their sinful lifestyle bow in the presence of God because he is worth it all. May we never just grow weary of just becoming ordained, ordinary, boring, lame Christians. And may we always push forward to be reckless and be radical and crazy, to do whatever it takes, to do the things that, 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 would, that scare you the most, to do those things, because that is the call that God has for us. God doesn't call us to be comfortable and cozy, and the American dream that God has planned for us looks nothing like the American dream that we have planned for ourselves. God did not call you to be rich and happy and fat and all awesome like that. He wants you to be sacrificial. He wants you to be loving and caring and just, just doing whatever it takes for him. He died upon the cross not for us to just gain happiness. He called for, died upon the cross for us to have joy, everlasting joy. And that is something that isn't found in feelings or emotions. It's found in something that is eternal, which is his word and obedience to his word. That is where we find true happiness and joy. 
May we allow ourselves to be used by him. May we not fear doing something, not doing something for God, but may we fear doing things that are too little for God. May we not fear um, never telling someone about the gospel. May we fear, um, I'm sorry, may we not fear not telling enough people about the gospel. May we fear more not telling anyone about the gospel. And may we not fear um, what it takes to actually follow Jesus, and rather may we fear not following Jesus at all. May we be willing to do whatever it takes, no matter how old we are in our life. May we start today. All right, guys, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for uh, the youth here today. I thank you for the adults here today as well. God, may you speak to us today. God, may you move in us today. God, may the may the ever constant presence of you in our life be known. May we never forget the works that you're doing daily in our lives. May we constantly be excited about sharing your word to people around us. May we be willing to do whatever it takes to do that for you, Lord. May we be willing to amputate any part of us that is holding us back. And may we be willing and brave enough to realize that after we've done that, if there's anything left over, may we use it for your glory. May we realize that you are better than us. You are better than anything in this world. And may we realize that we are called to serve and love and be devoted to you, Lord, 100%. And when we realize that, Lord, may our sin fall upon your feet. May it fall off like the shackles and the chains that it held us down with. May we be set free from that sin and never to go back in bondage again. It's in Christ's name I humbly pray.